Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone, and in this episode, our guest mentor is Talita Ferreira, founder and CEO of Authentic Change Solutions, which is a management consultancy centered around bringing a philosophy and authenticity and authentic change to businesses and individuals. Now, Talita originally started as a chartered accountant at KPMG in South Africa, but since then went on to C-suite roles at financial services and automotive companies and a career spanning 22 years so she's some amazing experience she shares with us on the show. And in particular, you'll find useful the two main challenges she goes into that the CFO she mentors are sharing with her. She follows this up with a top tip on how to deal with fear and vulnerability in finance and accounting. And she also provides a really great summary deconstruction of her power model, which helps us become more authentic leaders in what we do in our businesses. So as I said, Talita's got some amazing experience stories to share on the show. It's highly worth your time listening. If you want to go and follow up on the detailed show notes, you can find those at SITN show.com slash podcast slash zero three six so all that's left for me to do is pass you over to talita and the show so i have a typical finance career which started in south africa which you might have already spotted from the accent <laughs> so i uh, worked for kpmg was a quality um, qualified as a chartered accountant and after I finished my articles with them I also did some consulting with them. I then decided to leave um, practice as it would be and go out into commerce and I started working with a South African bank called Investec. At the time um, in banking the front office was all the rage and I was in finance in the back office and got lured to the dark side if I could call it that. (laughs) So I decided I'd like to uh, leave uh, the back office and I joined a small boutique bank uh, called Metal and they were going to list and they were said to be the next Investec which was very successful where I had come from at the time and you could say that that was my very first career disappointment. They uh, didn't list and um, so I was very disappointed and I thought that that was a sign to go back to the back office and go back to finance. So I um, left Metal and joined BMW and little did I know that I would not emerge from there until 17 years later. Wow. I, that was not really the plan at the time. But I joined BMW in, a, in quite a wide role with accounting, tax, treasury, insurance and um, very quickly after joining that role did I find out that you know I would reach the glass ceiling there very quickly in South Africa. I'd always wanted to be a CFO and so um, at that time I was around about 30 and I always wanted to be a CEO by 30, a CFO by 30, so I was kind of like a little bit backwards on my plan Mm-hmm. And then I uh, knew that I needed to go to Munich, the heartbeat of, of the company then. So um, 
BMW is all about also having networks in Munich and understanding Munich. And because I'd been in financial services, I then decided to go to uh, BMW Financial Services in Munich into their headquarters there. Um, I learned German, uh, spent lots of time in the snow, had a really exciting, (laughs) (laughs) and they could deal with traffic when it snowed, unlike the UK and Ireland. And... uh, so we had quite a good time there. My husband took a career break and um, I learned German, which was probably the hardest thing I, I did. Couldn't read wow. even a children's book, but oh, uh, without a dictionary. But uh, yes, mastered that. And then after three years, um, I was, say to, so to say, allowed to uh, enter the CFO world of BMW. And I was sent to the UK as the CFO then of BMW Financial Services. And that really started quite a a change in my outlook and is one of the purposeful parts of my career because I was also responsible for human resources as a board director Hmm. and which brought lots of different challenges. And I really started to see that I really enjoyed driving transformational change as well. So change in leadership. During that period, we had three CEOs. And so I was kind of the stability, you could say, we went through the economic crisis, and it was really important to bring more inspirational leadership to um, the company, which I was then um, part of and the custodian of. So I then got promoted again into um, the CFO of the automotive company in the UK. So that position was in the top 300 um, of BMW, which one calls OFKs. And strategy now joined my remit. I was still responsible as CFO and HR board director as well. But then I also started leading a huge transformational cultural program, bringing two of the companies that I'd worked with before and the automotive company onto one um, site and changing their underlying um, culture. And really felt that that's what I was destined to do. And reaching the top 300, um, you have to have a very extensive network within the company. Mm-hmm. I had done that, but I kind of felt when I got into the group, did I really work for mm-hmm. no, more than 10 years to be in, in this? You know, What is so inspirational in this group? Yes. And that was the moment when I then knew that that wasn't really my purpose. And I spent two years, I'd say 18 months to 24 months, really finding what my purpose was. While I was doing this transformational project on top of the day job, I really realized that that was quite a lot of things that I liked in there and that I really enjoyed transforming organizations and helping leaders grow beyond beyond what they um, thought they could do themselves. So I ended up leaving BMW, facing my my biggest fear, leaving uh, the big corporate environment after 22 years of doing that and setting up my own business to really help companies to transform culturally and help leaders transform. That's a, I mean, that's an amazing journey from, I, I guess, from audit practice, getting your articles, m- moving between a few countries, uh, building networks. I, I guess they're sort of things we, we don't learn when we're setting out. Uh, and I'd love to come back maybe and touch on some of those later, uh, Talitha, but in terms of what's exciting you most now about your the challenges out there, um, I, I'm just trying to think, you know, you continue to mentor CFOs. I mean, what sort of their biggest challenges at the moment? I see really two challenges uh, for the CFOs that I mentor, and it's what I call the leadership dimension mm-hmm. and the people dimension. So I really only came to my strength as a CFO when I embraced those two halves of myself. 
because I was really this very analytical CFO who could do risk analysis, business cases, you know, <laughs> chop someone off if necessary, you know. Yeah. And it's really that people dimension on the other side where you know you're oh. also collectively responsible as a board director for the people dimensions, for the culture, for the leadership. And I really, I would say I, I was never really a great CFO until I learned that part. And it's not because I was responsible for HR. I think one also has to do that as a board director. Yeah. You have to think about the culture and, you know, because if the culture is not in the right space, it will you will never reach the strategy of the organization. And I see that uh, that people dimension is something that, that CFOs also struggle with. And the other thing is the leadership dimension. And that's really migrating from that very analytical person with these analytical skills to more seeing people as as humans somehow. And, I, and I'll explain it with, with a, a recent um, example. So, for instance, um, this CFO was had a very challenging situation with someone in a, a, through an appra appraisal process and thought he'd done, you know, he'd followed the rule book. And he was then very surprised when he, he gave the feedback and he got an email response that the person wasn't entirely happy. Firstly, he'd expected that there would have been a face-to-face -face conversation. And secondly, he'd expected that you know, um, there shouldn't really be an issue because everything was like he'd thought. But the reality is he was coming from the place where so many analytical people do, and I would have probably as well in my early career, coming from the place of I'd followed the process, this is how I see you, this is how you fit the guidelines. And this person was coming from a place of, for the contribution I've given, I feel totally undervalued. And mm -hmm. so if he's coming from the I followed the process and he's in that on that radio station or that radio channel and she's coming from the I'm feeling undervalued channel, there's nothing he's going to say that's going to make her feel better. So it's yeah. really about then coming from that more people perspective, you know, trying to understand why is it that the person is feeling undervalued? Why is the person feeling like they haven't done a, you know, why do they feel like, I'm perceiving that they haven't done a, a great job and coming to that level and trying to sort it out there and then maybe migrating to the, well, this is the process. But somehow when we start there and we don't come down to this person's base feeling, mm -hmm. it's like we're always just up in the air somewhere and not really at their level. Yeah. So. Um, Look, I, I, I'm just trying to see it's a little like and understand because like on my own journey and into a leadership role, this this is one of the frustrating things I find for a lot of, um, I suppose, aspiring finance leaders out there is that technically very good. I mean, some people might even call us machines or calculators. We're quite good at the analytical side of things. Then when it comes to people, it's I find it very interesting because finance is sort of the language of business, but really... You know, in these days where finance are expected to be stepping up and become profit centers, I think, I think as Peter Drucker said, you know, the only true profit center is the customer. That's people. It's putting yourselves in their shoes. It's just like our colleagues, employees, um, even the board members. You know, there is no business without people. And I think we sort of lose that sight along our way. When when did, I mean, like I know it probably forced, uh, it was a, probably a few promotions or, or maybe some thinking about it for you that that sort of the penny dropped but I mean is there sort of any any examples I suppose from your book your workshops your coaching or mentoring that that we could perhaps leverage to to help others maybe realize this a bit sooner rather than later well I think whenever you faced with a confrontation mm -hmm. um, I think it's to try and understand where the other person is coming from and 
where that person is coming from is normally someplace based in their values. And it's the same for, for me. A lot of times when I felt like I was triggered by someone in the office, it was either a values issue or a limiting belief issue. Mm -hmm. And I think the greatest gift we can give ourselves is to focus more on understanding ourselves before we go into any of these um, situations. Because the moment you understand yourself better, you can relax more and then you can interact with people in the place where you more go towards them. Otherwise, it's sometimes driven by, you know, competitiveness or controlling situations and you don't want to look bad or look like you don't have the answers and it becomes very combative. And I think whenever one has these these um, meetings or instances where you're walking away from it and you're not feeling great about the interaction then there's something to look at, you know, and something to try to amend or change about it. And I think it starts with ourselves because we can't really control control other people. So it has to start with ourselves. That's very interesting, isn't it? Like, you know, we hear a lot, put ourselves in other people's shoes, be more empathetic. But what you're suggesting perhaps is maybe we start to understand ourselves better, maybe more self-aware, more conscious of ourselves. Is that fair to say? That's definitely fair to say because... Um, you know, before I really understood my core values, I didn't understand that I was having values clashes. And I'll explain again. Mm. So one of my very core values is seeing a person as an individual. So it's, you know, individualization, seeing people as individuals and, and not treating everyone just absolutely. Yes, of course, we have to treat people the same at a base level, but yeah. people are different and they all have different needs and different desires. And, you know, it brings back the point that we were talking about before. Everyone can't be led in the same way if we want to inspire everyone. Yeah. And I would get very unhappy if my HR team, for instance, would say, well, this is the rule book and this is how we need to follow, you know, it with everyone. And I would, I would think you can't just go, here's the rule book because people are different and different things appeal to them. And so, you know, we have to engage with people from where they're at. If they're not, at, you know, at a level two steps up and you're trying to just deal with everyone at that level, then, you know, we'll never, we'll never connect with that person properly. And so because I knew myself better, I understood that that was a values-based issue that I was facing. So it didn't mean that I get got less upset, but it meant that I could rationally understand it more and then go, okay, we're having a values clash at the moment. Let, let's see what's going on here and discuss it in a, in a bit of a different way. It just gives a different perspective. Yeah, just as you were sort of talking there, Silly, so I, I just had this image in my, in my mind that in terms of your journey and, and into, you know, to help us with this understanding, when you you know, built up your finance career and and started sensing that it, you know the people dimension had to go along with the leadership dimension and and they had to be both built together, did did were you sort of thinking, you know, um, finance has an opportunity given our sort of unique perspective in the business, our sort of visibility across most areas, to perhaps be quite good or useful when it comes to transformation or was it a case of well if we sort of look at HR and work more closely with them and perhaps even you know some finance leaders go and lead HR teams that's another way of, of instilling transformation because that's more affecting cultural changes as sort of you're calling out in your own journey and um, bedding it down even better because you're changing the culture the values of an organization so I suppose for finance leaders out there you know, from your own experience, is HR a particular route or are we just quite strong in transformation anyway? We don't necessarily need to be thinking about a HR or, or sort of route to, to make effective changes in our organizations. 
I think the route to HR is a is a very important route, but it doesn't need to necessarily mean leading HR. It could really mm-hmm. be partnering with HR ah. in a more effective way. And I think it's very, if you think about the back office, I'm not talking operations that's servicing the company, the, the customer, mm-hmm. but if you, th- or, or the growth of the organization, if you're just looking at the normal back office, it's, it's normally what finance does and HR. So if you're kind of um, getting that back office more aligned mm-hmm. and aligned in not only servicing and becoming business enablers to the business, but also helping to develop great leaders, Yes. Then you have really got a yep. perfect, a perfect, you know, a perfect situation in your back office, and you can really drive the organisation by then partnering with operations in the front end or marketing or sales. You then really are creating a very strong, cohesive, um, let's say, team that can really help the culture of the organisation. And in the end, you know, for me, from my career and what I've seen, it's really organizations are about two things. They're about strategy and the purpose, and they're about uh, people. People. So, and people dimension is really around the culture. The culture one needs to create to drive that strategy and deliver on that purpose. So it's really, really important to to make sure that we're as finance professionals, that we understand more around um, that cultural piece, leadership piece. And some, some people are like, you know, what is culture that's so intangible and <laughs> difficult to understand? But it's really the behaviors. It's the behaviors of the leaders and how the leaders are role modeling that within the organization. So, and and it has to align to also what's written in those financial statements. Normally in those nice glossies, we have written what the values of, of the organization um, is. And if, if we're not living those, that's quite quite challenging. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if there's any any sort of member of the audience think about what are the values of my organization, you're, you're completely right. And we have to look at the annual reports. It's, it's when we put it together and then we can make an assessment as how close that is to the reality and whether or not that's something, you know, that aligns with our purpose or, or, or how we want to be perceived going forward or where we can make the best impact. So so that the great bits of advice there, Talita. I'm also curious to Thank know you. if there's if there's any other areas um in around what you're working on that's really exciting you at the moment? So what really excites me at the moment is is this transformation in organizations. And I think any organization has to really start with where they're at. I think you can't expect an organization to start, you know, in a different place to where they're at at that moment. Mm-hmm. And um, what's really important as well in this transformation is if we look at all the business disruption out there, I looked at a recent uh, critical eye survey where um, quite a high percentage of CEOs, I think it was 95%, believe that their business models are being disrupted, but only in the low 20s believe that they have the right team to deal with that. Wow. And it's really these challenges that we need to have a look at and to say, okay, where is our organization? Where? How do we need to transform and where are we going? And I really like the work that Dr. V- uh, Professor Vladka Lupik has done around um, a book called The Management Shift, where she really looks at um, six boxes and she looks at culture, individuals and relationships and strategy systems and processes and kind of diagnoses organization around these six areas to see where they are in terms of of people, purpose, and really being able to survive in this digitized economy that we're in now. And that's really very exciting. It's very powerful. Goodness, yeah. Like, 
I, I think is it is it, it must be a case then if if we're diagnosing those six six areas and again I, I sort of would like to maybe put forward that we've got great strengths in finance and accounting you know this is something we should be able to assist the business with but by doing so we should in theory be improving the sustainability of the business if it's living its purpose and and the requirements of the customers is, is I suppose is that is that one way of looking at it Talita definitely definitely exactly that's exactly spot on and you know there's one thing I, I can't let you off this podcast without discussing probably one of my favorite bits from your book um it was actually the way you encapsulated the power model oh, yes. and i you know and i like imagine you use it um in your workshops as well but i was curious how sort of you know we do might get some hr people listening to the show it's predominantly finance so i was just with that in mind how could perhaps our audience uh, leverage this model to get from where they currently are to maybe where they want to be well, it's really, as I said before, the greatest gift I believe you can give yourself is really to um, understand yourself better. And when you understand yourself better and you become your own biggest supporter, then, you know, other people become your biggest supporter. And I think that starts with this awareness piece. And the model is really in two parts. It's on the left side. It's really about your own awareness or your consciousness. And under there, it's things like understanding how you feel about change, for instance, what would your purpose be in that change? What are the behaviors that you need to role model, for instance? So I really like to look at it through the lens of change because we all need to drive change either in our lives or, or in the business. So, so it's this part of really understanding this own awareness that we have. And then the other side is really the connectedness to other people. And in this connectedness to other people, it's really around understanding what our fears are so in a change process really understand is there underlying fears that people are not speaking about how can we bring those out to get more supporters for the change to be in this greater togetherness together to understand more where are the other people coming from having that empathy that we spoke about before not being afraid to show uh, vulnerability in our mm. in our leadership because sometimes we don't have the uh, all the answers and so having this more consciousness or awareness and having this more connectedness and driving purpose-driven collaboration will give us power. And um, power is an acronym. So the, the P is presence, because when you understand yourself far better, you are very more, much more confident. The O is for overcoming fears, because we understand what those limiting fears are, like that you might be caught out or that people might not know that you don't have all the answers. You're more whole. The W is more whole because you're not just working with your mind, but you're also engaging that empathy, the heart a bit more. And E is for effortless flow. I think we spend two thirds of our lives statistically at work. And if you're regulating who you are in the work um, work environment and not really bringing most of who you are into that environment, that's pretty sad. And the E is really this effortless flow. So if you understand more about who you are, you can, of course, bring more of yourself and bring more of that underlying purpose into, into that environment. And then the last letter R is for resonance. And it's resonance with yourself, with who you are, with other people, because you're connecting from this different place where it's not just based in fear, but it's more based in collaboration and sharing your vulnerabilities and respecting people people at a deeper level. So it's resonance with yourself, with others and with your core purpose. So I, I appreciate you've, you've summarized very well for us, Talisha, an awful lot of thinking and an awful lot of thought, um, probably that you've, you've developed and picked up through an entire career. So 
again appreciate you you doing that for us and i think i'm maybe seeing a bit of a trend here but um i was i was talking to a, a, a cfo leader oh, was it last couple of weeks and it was about this vulnerability you mentioned in mm-hmm. terms of perhaps in finance and accounting we're always expected to to know or get things right get the numbers right this sort of statement of completeness and accurate and that is um probably sometimes unrealistic in such times of rapid change where where we're going to sometimes make mistakes and this cfo was basically saying that you know we're going to have to accept some failures as part of our learning to be better um business partners to add more value for the business is to actually accept the fear of failure in accounting and finance so so maybe maybe we're just structurally we find that quite difficult are there, are there any sort of simple techniques perhaps Talita, just to just to be more vulnerable be more accepting of of our own sort of um uh, learning learning opportunities i think again it's it's the main thing about looking at yourself first mm-hmm. and seeing you know what what are those things that you're mainly afraid of and for me it was leaving corporate life and i know that so <laughs> whenever i'm now in this new um career that I've created for myself and some of those original fears come out, then I'm kind of like just thinking, okay, uh, that's just a fear. That's not totally real. Of course, it feels very real, but let's just, let's just, let's just move beyond that and engage a little bit the, the more analytical mind. So sometimes the more analytical mind (laughs) does help when we are dealing with fears, but it is, we first have to feel those emotions and know that they're there for us to move, to move past them. So I think that that would be my my top tip is really to understand more of that in yourself because you know once you understand where it is that you're you're um, vulnerable then it's easier to share that part because if if we're not aware of it what normally triggers is more of that ego based behavior mm-hmm. where you try mm-hmm. and hide it and you try to limit your exposure and that's not that's not the perfect place if you really want to create connected relationships. Wow, that's fantastic advice. I, I I can see myself living it, and it's like, oh my God, could someone have just told me that years ago, and my life would have been a lot easier. But um, but you know, I think we're richer for those experiences, so we can help others. And um, and wow, that that's a great tip. I'm just trying to think. God, it wasn't even the accounting syllabus um that we did. But you know, it comes back to the point. Maybe sometimes we overlook the people dimension, but look to our strengths. We can be quite analytical too. So let's leverage that to our advantage when it comes to better understanding ourselves, the vulnerabilities and, and how to go move forward. Um, so so that that's a great tip for our audience from, from your experiences. But in terms of maybe the best piece of advice you've ever received, Talita, would you mind sharing that with us? Um, I can remember it was, uh, I think, my first German boss that I had. And he said, you know, set up your own vision of where you want to go. And I think at the time... Um, we were talking about other people complaining consistently and and he was like, you know, just set your own vision of where you want to go and then take the steps to get there. Put your head down and, and do the work. And, and that's kind of always what I've done. I've set my vision of what it is that I want to achieve. You know, at the early days, it was that CFO position and then it was CFO of a national sales company reaching that top 300. And um, it's always served me very well to go for like a goal in mind um, and quite an audacious goal and then just yeah. just move there and the pieces kind of fall in place on the way there. I'm glad you, you just tagged that bit on the, the end, the pieces fall in on the way there because 
you know, I think a lot of people just worry too much about the small details and getting towards the goal. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you, you create an audacious enough one and and you sort of put that front of mind focus on, on achieving it, the necessary bits will move as long as we're aware of ourselves. I think you've already touched on this, aware of what we really should be looking out for. Um, mm-hmm. Then then we'll notice those pieces as they come as we're along that journey and we'll, we'll end up getting towards near the goal. And I encourage people to set those audacious ones as you, as you recommend because they're pretty fun to do. And particularly if they're aligned with our purpose, I mean, exactly. why not? <laughs> and then take bold and imperfect steps every day to oh, get there. Oh, love it. Yes. You know, <laughs> little, little bold and imperfect steps. We always want everything worked out. You know, sometimes oh, finance God. professionals want this oh. perfect plan. Oh, now, bold that trial balance to zero. <laughs> <laughs> bold and imperfect is perfect. <laughs> I, lo- I love that. Yeah, like, I'm going to t- I'm gonna have to put that as one of the key quotes, actually. That's brilliant. I love it. Um, so, so Talita, look, you've already recommended one book for our listeners, The Management Shift. Are there any other books out there that um, our audience should listen to or, or read? Uh, really, um, I'd say it's not a fun read, but it is a fun read. It has lovely pictures and things, but it really resonated with me in the journey that I went on because it was around my fears and overcoming my deepest fears. It's called The Expansion Game by okay. Gosha Gorner. And she's a transformational coach and really helps you to take those fears that you have and uh, chop them up into little bits. <laughs> oh. and so a very, very transformation. It really busts your fears. So it's a, it's an amazing book. Well, you know, for again, I know there's a lot of our audience out there that you know want to be more people orientated, want to be more empathetic, and maybe have fears around how they go about that. That one, I'll put the links to all the resources mentioned in the show notes as well. So, so thanks for that recommendation. You're and I, I, just one more question, I guess is. You know, you've been very sharing with us. Um, should should our audience look to, to try and reach out to you or find you? Where's, where's the best they, place they can connect with you at? So they can connect with me on the website. So my website is authenticityresolved.com. But they can also reach me in LinkedIn and in Twitter. So Authenticity R-E-S is in, on Twitter. And then I'm also on Facebook. So, and my company name, you said before, Authentic Change Solutions. I'm sure you can reach me that way. Thanks for sharing those, Salita. And look again, thank you so much for making your time available to share your experiences with us. It's really great to have a finance leader um, have experience of HR, have experience of transformation to share that with us. And, and also, you know, share with us the ch- challenges CFOs are facing at the moment that you're mentoring and, and how people are overcoming them. Your power model, there's so much value in there. And again, the... The, the quote about imperfect being perfect. I love that. So, so such great ideas and thoughts there. So Talita, you know, on behalf of our audience, uh, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you to you, Andrew, for giving me this opportunity. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter. 
which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.